This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. time to take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 1037 the game oh hell yeah welcome everyone to under the dome with cd on acadiana's number one sports talk station in all of Acadiana, and I'd say the entire state. Man, mind you, that's my personal opinion. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself listening in on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game. And as always, we are coming to you live from the beautiful, palatial, absolutely decadent 103.7 The Game studios. Baby, we're looking good. Oh, we certainly are looking good on this Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, however you want to put it. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself if you're out there chilling and grilling on this Memorial Day weekend, getting your summer kick-started off right, and also, of course, practicing social distancing. Hopefully you're not keeping too much of a social distance between you and your phone, especially if you want to call in the game hotline wide open for a few minutes. 337-706-0111. Got two guests in hour one, only one in hour two. So if you want to get your shots up, 11 o'clock is the time to get it in. But I can fit you in 337-706-0111, whatever you want to get in on that conversation. But it's great to think that it is Memorial Day weekend. We are getting that much closer to that magical date that we found out yesterday. We are just that much closer and that's what I want to get into. We're going to talk about what's causing all this and break it down and talk to you on a Saturday morning from a number of different angles. And the one thing everybody has been talking about here on Acadiana Sports Station is what the SEC announced yesterday. The Big 12 followed suit as well. This all comes back. we got to go back a few days. We've got to backtrack a little bit towards what the NCAA announced a couple days ago and then later added on to it. They announced that starting June 1st, Teams can start working out. Yes, you heard me right. Teams can start working out. Football and basketball teams can start working out on June 1. It all is all subject to the discretion of various and sundry conferences. What's going to happen with all these other programs across the country and what's going to happen when the NCAA sets this thing up? I think what the SEC did on Friday kind of set in motion what everybody else is starting to do. The Big 12 also already followed suit and said, hey, we're going to do this the same exact way and set up shop on June the 8th. The Cajuns, they're doing the same exact thing. And I think this is absolutely perfect. The SEC, in case you forgot, announced they'll allow voluntary workouts to begin on the 8th of June. That's not going to be the first Monday in June, but the second. Now, why is that date so important? It's the first step towards getting college football season back 
on track and starting on time. We've heard it over and over again. The ideal time for players to be ready this season is considered to be between six to eight weeks. In fact, we had him, uh, Billy Napier. He was on the jungle a couple weeks ago and mentioned that six-week-to-return protocol, maybe you need more along the lines of eight weeks. Uh, we heard from the Oversight Committee. We heard from different people across the country today. And I think the consensus there is most leagues presented a six-week return-to-play protocol. Uh, I think you may need a little bit more time than that, and I think we're going to get it. You know, I think you're going to see uh, maybe teams get back at it and that be standardized sometime in July. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that it's going to be uniform. I think you're going to see uh, people working at different paces here. Uh, but eventually we'll we'll get football back and certainly the, the positives that come from that. That is absolutely huge when you think about that number, eight weeks. That is 56 days. So let's take that start date. Of voluntary workouts. In the case of LSU, they've accepted it. I believe Kentucky's still kind of waffling it. I'm like, well, guys, y'all are a basketball school, so take your time. Anyways, think about that start date for a moment. June 8th. Eight weeks from that point on is August 3rd. Week 0 is August 29th. August 29th, people. That's almost 12 weeks of prep, 11 weeks and 5 days, if you want to be exactly precise, almost 12 weeks worth of preparation to get this college football season rolling. That is absolutely huge, for the record, to set this up. June 8th, I think, is the perfect time, because presumably by then, a lot of the programs in the SEC and the Big 12 are going to be in Phase 2 of this situation to try and get America back to normal post-COVID-19. Now, how normal things are going to be, that's up to that's up to your own discretion. Each college is going to want to come up with their own things. I know South Carolina, I believe another university, is going to be starting in like mid-August and going to be wrapping up around Thanksgiving. Taking away that fall break and just going straight to Thanksgiving and ending it. That is a smart decision because, again, flu season is going to be starting up around that time. Everything that they're doing at this point, not just with the NCAA, but the SEC as well. It's the conference that just means more, and right now it just means more popularity. Everybody is in lockstep in my mind when it comes down to it about that start date. August 29, 2020, you have 12 weeks to prepare. Now, there's some other reports I'll get to in just a little bit. Now, again, going back to the NCAA, they announced yesterday they'll allow all sports to have voluntary practice activities starting on June the 8th. A lot of this is going to be solely strength and conditioning, installing a lot, especially in college football. That's going to be largely strength and conditioning. Make sure these guys are getting workouts in and getting fed right and getting the nutrition they need. Then, in the afternoons, more likely than not, a lot of the installation will be done on Zoom like it has been done in the past. Everybody's going to be up in the Zoom room having a whole lot of fun and learning what this football season is going to be like for them. A lot of this, again, I mean, largely remotely. It just feels like that's what's going to be happening in the foreseeable future until we hear otherwise from the NC2A and the individual conferences in terms of the decision that's being made when it comes to June 8 and onward. Could we see, you know, everything kind of be back to normal by the end of, by the beginning of July? It's a distinct possibility, but man, I just feel like there's a big stretch to just say, hey, we're going to allow all these guys to be in that gym getting workouts in and not practicing social distancing. Again, 
I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist, but I think that this situation could be perfect and ideal for a lot of people. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen there. But, you know, this is also a report that came out yesterday. Not long after the SEC kind of announced all this, saying that in an article on Sports Illustrated, that there could be a six-week program starting in mid to late July that could incorporate two weeks of NFL-style OTAs before a four-week camp in August. Teams kicking off on week zero, those OTA practices would begin on July 18th for those kicking off on Labor Day. It's like 90% of football are going to be getting started with these OTAs if this plan is improved on July 25th. I think this is perfect because guess what? You can have six weeks strength and condition, get these guys back up into a regular scheduled programming because, again, you got to think about it. If you're a college athlete, and I've heard when it comes to nutrition, I think that's the most important part, especially when you get those big uglies on the offensive and defensive line, getting those guys in shape, ready to go. There's a lot of things that I can say right now. They're nailing it. The Cajuns, for instance, second year under Billy Napier, they nailed it when it came to the nutrition and everything. They've got nutrition people there. LSU, same kind of thing. You need to be able to have these guys on a consistent meal plan. I'd say probably, and again, Hypothetically, I'm probably saying three main meals a day, but also snacks in between and healthy snacks at that. Not necessarily all these donut sticks and stuff, stuff that most college kids would be scarfing down on around this time of year. But again, I think this is the smart decision all the way around, and I like this. If this is put into place, we will have college football in the fall, barring new things with COVID-19, a second spike or what have you. But I think if they're all isolated, they're ready to go. I think... 2020 is going to be a beautiful thing for the college football season. Now, the big thing with fans is that's the billion-dollar question. What's going to happen with the fans? Are they going to be allowed in the stands? Week one, I say there's about a like 10% chance of that happening. Very little. I don't even know if media is going to be allowed, to be honest with you. I don't know if little old me is going to be actually able to be there to take photos and put up content on the website and for the post-game interviews and all that stuff. I don't know what's going to happen there. Are we going to be able to get on the field to do stand-up recaps? Are we going to be able to do these things that we've been doing in the past here at Acadiana Sports Station? All the all these other media outlets across the country, what's going to happen with us? Are we going to be able to have the coverage that we were used to? Are we going to be able to have post-game press conferences with the coach and players after a win, after a loss? What? It, there's a lot of questions that I'm wondering, and hopefully we'll get answers to this down the road, because again, I think week one, definitely no fans, media, it's a big question mark. I know I was seeing something, uh, trying to remember, Matt Vaskersian, he actually put out something saying that he's basically not going to be doing Sunday Night Football at stadiums, he'll be doing it from his home. I think that could be a step in the direction we see a lot of different people take across this country, especially when it comes to the way sports work especially when it comes to live sports and how they wind up broadcasting these games. Could that be the same when it comes to like baseball games on on the radio, like 103.7 The Game, the Houston Astros, when it comes to high school football here? what like, There's a lot of questions that can be like circling about over the next few weeks and months. But I also have to kind of laugh for a minute because here at Acadiana Sports Station, we've been talking a lot about the sports that are going to return to stateside first. And you're hearing, and main ones we're talking about, NBA, the NFL, you know, the MLB. It'll be more likely than not going to be July 3rd. 
yes, the Bundesliga is back, and that's, that's fun. Don't get me wrong. I love soccer. But are we honestly going to be saying, hey, you know, we're, look, we were looking forward to seeing Bundesliga and Premier League to return over NBA, MLB, NFL? Well, I was blown away by this last night, and I'm going to bring this up in a second, is which one of the major sports is going to be the first to return? Well, if you had NHL in that pool, i got to say congratulations, congratulations. You won, and you're smarter than the average bear. Per the NHLPA's Twitter, the executive board has authorized further negotiations with the NFL on a 24-team return-to-play format to determine the winner of the 2020 Stanley Cup. Details remain to be negotiated, and an agreement on the format will still be subject to the parties reaching an agreement on all issues relevant to resuming play. That is absolutely amazing, and it reminds me of something from a few years ago with our guy Scott Rabelais of The Advocate talking about some hockey and how big it was back in the 80s. Man, our power play is looking pretty good. Possibly one of my favorite sound bites in the history of this great show. But again, we have a chance to have NHL hockey start before the NBA and MLB season start. 2020 is beyond drunk, and I love the chaos. But jumping to the postseason just sounds dangerous when you hear all the stuff we're hearing about the NBA. Where we talked with Robin Lundberg last week, and he mentioned for a fact that you probably have to have at least five or six games to be able to get these guys ready for postseason action, not just start out dry, because I feel like that, that's, it's a little bit more dangerous. And again, I think it's the fact that the NBA wants to have a seven-game series. I don't know what the NHL wants to do in that sense, but that's going to be interesting. I'd love to talk about some of the hockey over the sports hypotheticals I was looking forward to personally, the inevitable SEC tournament rain delays and Selection Monday convos we were going to have coming out of Memorial Day weekend, but now we're just waiting for hockey to start or anything to start that being said, I do have some news about the college baseball front later in the hour. But we got a great lineup for you today with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports joining in. We'll talk some college football, the new optimism, and more importantly about why the hell he at Ath- in Athlon Sports ranked LSU 8th. We're talking about that at 1030 because I need to know why that was a choice, why that was added in there. When you're defending national champs, you should be at least in the top five. Now, coming up next is a guest I was looking forward to having last weekend. That is Casey Kane, wide receiver out of Warren Easton. Things didn't necessarily work out right last weekend. Is what it is. Glad to have the kid on this weekend. And we'll get you to that interview in just a few. So we'll take a quick timeout. And when we come back, we got a whole lot more of Under the Dome with CD coming up next on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Hey, Houdat Nation, this is Drew Brees, and you're listening to Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And now a game of commercial chicken brought to you by Progressive, where we see how long Flo can go without talking about insurance. Ready? Go. So, um, have you noticed how everyone's grammar is completely awful now? Like, you know, the texting and the LOLs. Whatever happened to punctuation? I mean, drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. Okay, you win. We can't help but save customers money. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin? Acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-531-5691 because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-531-5691. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-531-5691. That's 800-531-5691. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-368-5184-800-368-5184-800-368-5184-800-368-5184. Do you show up to parties looking like your mom addressed you? Mom! Let's be real for a minute. You're a grown man. Or what counts for a grown man these days. It's time for you to upgrade your wardrobe, courtesy of 1037 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Sign up today at the Clubhouse Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com for your chance to be outfitted with free station swag. So leave those sweater vests and cardigans in your closet. Dress yourself like a man and get your free 1037 The Game swag today. From the preps to the pros and everywhere in between. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Let's get back under the dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana's Sports Station. 1037, the game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037, the game and 1037thegame.com. And if you listen to last week's show, we hyped up a big guest, weren't necessarily able to kind of coordinate at the right time. But I got to say, I'm glad we we're able to get him in and lock him in for this week's show. And that is Casey Kane, wide receiver out of Warren Easton, three-sport athlete as well. And a week ago yesterday, he committed to Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns. And let's get to him right now. Casey, how's it going? How you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. And, you know, what was the big selling point to, to you for committing to the Texas Longhorns? Because, obviously, a week ago yesterday – and conveniently a little bit behind the scenes i got in touch with you on thursday then the next day all of a sudden you commit what was the big thing that made you commit to the program uh pretty much the opportunity that i have at university of texas um i think i fit in very well because offense and texas has a great network so even if i don't succeed in football i'll be set for after school 
And you bring up what you kind of saw with them. I think, obviously, one thing that you probably looked at was what they've been able to do the last couple of years with products like Devin DuVernay and be able to make it mm-hmm. into the NFL. Did that really ring home to you because you could actually see results and how they developed these guys into absolute studs? Yes, it does. Talk right now with Casey Kane, wide receiver out of Warren Easton. And a few weeks ago, the Longhorns had extended an offer to you. Had you had an official visit with them yet? Because obviously with this whole COVID-19 thing, I know it's definitely a little weird in terms of the recruiting process. Yeah, we had a virtual visit. So basically they bought it to me online. So, so what was that like? I'm interested just to kind of get an idea of what a virtual visit was like. Did they have like a pre, like pre-rendered video of what the campus looked like and everything, or was it just like them having like a Zoom call with you and them showing you the campus through like FaceTime or something? Yeah, it was a Zoom call. They had videos, uh, PowerPoint slides, and all things like that, with, along with the coaching staff. So just for overall, like, what was the recruiting process for you, like, during this time frame? Because it's definitely been, like, a weird time for a lot of high school students, especially the class of 2021, all these guys trying to kind of commit right here, right now. But what has the recruiting process been for you? Um, it was starting to get – it was starting to increase, uh, especially being a high-wanted prospect in the state. So – you have to uh, entertain a lot of these coaches, well, which comes with having the privilege of being a uh, good recruit. So things definitely picked up, but I'm happy to put it to bed. Who were some of the programs that were kind of hot on you at the time? I think there was probably a lot of in-state programs that kind of that were into you and wanted to kind of have you come over to their program. Uh, in-state, uh, LA Tech, UL. What was the biggest thing that kind of that that made you decide to take out of state over going to an in-state program? Uh, honestly, I just wanted to get away from this environment. You know, get start somewhere new, go away from home, see what that feels like. I can get with that. I can get with that. And looking at Coach Herman, and what's what was what's the relationship like with you and Coach Herman based off of the conversations y'all have had? throughout this recruiting process? Um, me and Coach Herman, like, we're pretty cool. It's just, like, a player and a coach, basically. Like, I'm already a part of the team. He check on me every now and then. And how much did that kind of, like, feeling help you make this decision? Uh, help me feel more wanted than tolerated. Talk right now with Casey Kane, wide receiver out of Warren Easton. And let's kind of step away from the recruiting stuff. Last year, y'all had a tough loss in the state title game, 35-34 to Edna Carr. And heading into your senior season, how much does that motivate y'all even more to make it back to the mountaintop and, more importantly, come away with the state title? What would you say? Oh, I was saying basically last year's state title game, like coming up short, what was that like for y'all and, more importantly, how much does that motivate y'all even more to make it back to the mountaintop and win the state title? Um, it's very good motivation. Um, no one, no one really wants to show up to prove they're the best and not come out as being the best. So that's pretty good motivation as the feed out. 
And you're a three-sport athlete, and we hear all the time how important it is to be well-versed these days, especially as a high school athlete. How much has that really helped you elevate your game? Because if I'm not mistaken, you're also a track and field star, right? Mm-hmm. So how much has that helped like up your game? Um, it helps a lot, especially with my speed on the field. And basketball helps with my change of direction and jumping. So those factors really help me pick my position very well. Casey, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Congrats on committing to Texas, and good luck this year on the on the football field. Thank you so much. All right, that was Casey Kane, wide receiver out of Warren Easton. Again, committed to Texas a week ago yesterday. And, again, I talked about it at the beginning of the segment. It was just like last Saturday was weird because I wasn't able to secure a guest. And, again, I've mentioned this before. I am the only person inside this studio. I am the if I'm not here, the show does not go on, basically. So I have to make sure I get these guests locked in with plenty of time from the time I go to commercial break and get these guests on. Sometimes I can get these guys instantaneously. wasn't able to necessarily lock it down, and I'll say I'll give I'll give him credit. He got back to me later on in the day, apologized. I was like, hey, man, no problem. You know, let's try and rebook this because I would love to have you on to talk about your commitment to the University of Texas, how this decision came about, and everything in between. So I honestly am just over the moon about the fact we lived up. We, we pulled it off, and I'm glad we did it. Even if it was a week later, I would have loved to have it just the fresh breaking news, but sometimes you just can't necessarily pull that off. Definitely going to try and get some more of these high school players down the road. Because honestly, you'd love to hear the conversations that we can have when it comes to some of these big recruitments and big commitments. I'm looking forward to seeing what a lot of these other guys are going to be doing down the road. That being said, we're going to take a quick timeout. We're talking about high school players committing to college football. College football looks a little bit more optimistic at this point in time of happening. And that's absolutely a great thing. And we're going to talk about it with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, but also we're going to talk about their top 25 rankings because I have got some thoughts, my friend, on one of those. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. We're going to take a quick timeout and come back with a whole lot more of Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7thegame and 103.7thegame.com. Back after this. Under the Dome with CD is far from your ordinary sports talk show. I am the voice of the voiceless. What other show has more pop culture references than an episode of Family Guy? I just don't want to be involved in any of that mess. Now back to the famous CD on 1037 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Coming to you live from the game studios, as always. And right now, we're going to go from the college football recruiting world to talking about the world of college football in general and talk with our guy, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. Steve, what is going on, my man? Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you, especially after a week where we had a lot of great news for college football. And, of course, I have to mention the Athlon Sports College Football Magazine getting a little bit closer to the newsstand. So it's 
slowly but surely some optimism building for the start of the season. We'll get to the Athlon sports stuff in a little bit, Steve, but I want to kind of double back to what you talked about at the out the jump. There's a lot of newfound optimism concerning college football right here, right now, and you know, where do you see where do, where's your confidence meter at after the news yesterday about what we saw, not only from the Big Twelve and the NCAA and the SEC saying June one, in the case of Big Twelve and the SEC, they're saying June eighth they're going to open up these voluntary practices. What's your confidence meter right now? It's very high. You know, I kind of start from the premise that football has to happen for athletic departments just because it's such a money driver and because of how the other sports depend on the revenue and kind of the whole department uh, needs football to happen. So I think when you kind of start with that premise, you kind of get the sense that schools and conferences are going to do everything they can to get the season in as best and as safe as they can. And the announcements this week with the NCAA, the SEC, Big 12, with the voluntary camps, and you're also seeing some teams, Wyoming is supposed to come back June 1st, Ohio State June 8th. These are all great signs because when, when we talked to, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, there's a sense that players and coaches, they had to have about six weeks to feel comfortable starting the season. If voluntary workouts are starting June 1st, June 8th, June 15th, that is right in that sweet spot of when everything kind of needs to get going again. So I'm very optimistic about the season getting started close to on time or on time at this point. It may not be the the smoothest season because we'll have some bumps to navigate, but I feel pretty optimistic today about college football and getting the 2020 season started on time. I'm kind of in the same boat, Steve, and, you know, I think it's just the fact that we are, like, kind of seeing them set up these kind of things where they're wanting the players to go back and on a voluntary basis. Now, mind you, the thing that we're talking, we've been hearing from coaches like Will Muschamp, like the Cajuns' Billy Napier, who was on Jim Rome a few weeks ago and mentioned the fact that you probably need at least six to eight weeks to prepare for the 2020 season. And if we go from June 8th on till the eight weeks on, that's August 3rd, August 29th. That's about 12 weeks of prep. You can pretty much go half and half. And this is coming from a report from Ross Dellinger, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that potentially you have an NFL-style OTA practices before a four-week camp kicking off in August. So, like, it feels like now there's even more confidence that June 8th, everything's going to get started, and you'll be able to have 12 weeks, almost 12 weeks of prep before the start of the season. It really does. I think the big question that remains to be solved is, are there going to be any changes to allow official workouts, kind of as Ross mentioned in his article, because, you know, some of the teams didn't get spring practice, and there was a lot of teams that didn't even get started, and, you know, teams that had one or two. And so if you get some sort of NFL-style OTAs, some official workouts where it's not just the strength and conditioning coach watching the players, um, then you start to feel like that, like everything can start picking back up and, and ramping up into official uh, start of the season. But, you know, as far as timelines go, the fact that players are back on campus, coaches are back in the facility, these are all great signs for the season to start on time. And I think, you know, as we mentioned, the, the extras come in now. What will the NCAA do to help 
um, alleviate some of the lost spring practice time? For me, that's the big question because if players are back on campus, voluntary workouts are starting, that's a great sign for the season starting on time. And, you know, I, I think it's a great sign. And now we're kind of just wondering what's going to happen with the fans. And, you know, let's just let's just put a bar and have week one. You know, what what's your percent chance that fans could be allowed in the stands week one or even week zero around Labor Day weekend? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we've seen some, some estimates, you know, and we've also seen the NFL uh, world kind of get involved this week, too, the Steelers saying they're not going to sell all their single-game tickets. You also saw Ohio State, um, you know, kind of mentioned maybe 20 to 50% capacity. I know there's been some thoughts that they could some, some programs would have a full crowd for week one. I, I don't think that there's going to be a full crowd, at least at the start of the season. If things improve, maybe, I mean, maybe in some locations, if the case numbers are really low, you could see it. I just have a hard time seeing – 100,000, 80,000 fans packed into a stadium this year. That being said, it seems like to me you're seeing schools like Georgia, like South Carolina, model different approaches to how they could get you know, 20,000, 30,000 uh, half capacity, enough space to get the six feet or so that you need to, to properly social distance. So I think we will see fans but I don't think we will see the full crowd that we're used to. You know, it's college football is so much about atmosphere and fans and pageantry. It is going to be a different experience this year, but I think we'll have some fans in some capacity, just not to the full extent we're used to seeing uh, in, in previous years. Talk right now with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. He's on the game hotline. I think, obviously, other things that we need to talk about is just What's going like the transfer portal has just been going absolutely haywire as of late. How much, like, especially like not just with football, but I think with some of the other sports like baseballs, kind of going going in overdrive, college basketball. How much of that has to do with the fact that maybe it's a lot of these group of five programs where we see them all transfer out just because of the uncertainty of what's going to happen with that particular sport? Yeah, that's a great question because you know the transfer portal for football, and, and as you mentioned, um, the other sports has been very active recently, and frankly, I've been surprised. You know, I, I thought when all this started in March, we would see very little activity just because of the uncertainty and not knowing if you transfer somewhere, you can't visit the campus. So uh, I am surprised at, at kind of how active it has been. I think there was a, a kind of a key ruling this week by the NCAA kind of passing on doing a one-time transfer exemption. So essentially that players that were leaving this year, you know, kind of like a Cade Mays who was at Georgia, transferred to Tennessee. Um, You've had other players who weren't graduate transfers. They were hoping to be eligible this season. The NCAA did not pass that rule for immediate eligibility. There's some uncertainty as to where it goes now. Will they still do a waiver this year? So there's still some things to be figured out. But I think in a greater sense, we're just headed for a massive transfer overhaul at the end of the season. I think once you get into January and February, the name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, both of those are going to be overhauled um, by the NCAA as far as new rules going forward. And, and I think we, we may see the transfer portal for football. It might slow down a little bit now that there's more um, certainty, and especially I think as you get closer to the start of the season, I think it's going to be hard for players to transfer just because if you can't play this year, 
you know, you're sitting now being transferred to an unknown, whereas your situation at home right now is probably a little bit more secure and where you're at on the depth chart. All right, Steve, now we got to get to what's causing all this. And one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on, and that is the Athlon Sports Preseason Top 25 came out earlier this week, and I saw something. And I think it definitely kind of it, it sent out the sonar. It'd be like, hey, get in touch with Steve about this. LSU ranked number eight. What is going on there? I hope it was a it was a good sonar, you know, like it wasn't, you know, just I, you know, I almost I wasn't sure if I need to bring my helmet and shoulder pads for this one, um, but you know, when we do our top twenty five, it is a projection to the end of the season, and so we have LSU finishing number eight. We think they are a double digit win team, probably ten and two. Worst case scenario, nine and three. We've got them second in the SEC West. I mean, I think just from a big-picture perspective, there's a lot to like about this team. They have talent at every level. You know, Ed Orgeron just, you know, LSU just continues to recruit at a high level. But there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of transition. There's a lot new on both sides of the ball. And I think the bar was just set so high last season that it's going to be tough for LSU to reach that goal once again. Certainly all eyes are on Miles Brennan. But I think when you look at LSU, you know, four new starters on the offensive line, I think that will be a spot to watch during the season. So we like LSU at 10-2. and two. We've got them number eight. We do have them behind um, Georgia and Florida and Alabama. But really, once you get outside of that top three, uh, four through ten is very close. So we've got LSU at number eight, but we think they're right there to be a double-digit win team and certainly in a New Year's Six Bowl this year. I can get with that, but you know, you you brought up they're behind Georgia, they're behind Florida, Penn State's number five. I think that that's the thing. And this is not no no offense to the Nittany Lions, but I just feel like maybe Penn State being ranked fifth. I feel like maybe you could have bumped up LSU a little bit because yes, Penn State's been a consistent winner, but I feel like it just feels weird to me that we're talking about a defending national champion being ranked outside the top five, practically out of the top ten. Yeah, I think if. If we're looking at it just in the strict preseason sense, you know, if we're doing a ranking as where teams are right now, LSU needs to be ahead of Penn State. I think if we're projecting the season as a whole and looking at potential W's and L's, our projections had Penn State at 11 and 1 with its only loss to Ohio State, whereas we had LSU at 10 and 2. So we're projecting that probably the college football playoff committee, if Penn State's 11-1 and their only loss is to Ohio State, they're probably going to be fifth or sixth. So I certainly understand you know, your argument head-to-head tomorrow. I would probably pick LSU. I just think we're looking at the season playing out as if Penn State has one loss and it's to Ohio State, they're probably going to be closer to five, whereas LSU at eight with losses to Florida and Alabama – you know, they're probably right there behind Penn State because of the two-to-one uh, loss ratio in the column. So, I, like I said, I certainly understand your, your argument. We're projecting to the end of the season, and that's why we've got them five and eight. I can get with that. I can get with that. And, you know, just looking around this other top 25, one of the other big surprises was A&M ranked 11th in this preseason top 25 after kind of a, a meh, like, second year at College Station for Jimbo Fisher. like What was the thought process behind having Jimbo Fisher year three with the Aggies being ranked 11th? 
You know, I think it's a big year. I, I think there's a lot of experience coming back. I think there's, you know, certainly they've recruited very well, but, you know, 17 wins in two years, it's going to be critical for um, Jimbo Fisher to show the program's going in the right direction. And, you know, just with that experience and, and with Kelvin Mond um, coming back, we'd like them to finish um, 11th and just outside the top 10. And, Steve, before I let you go, I know a lot of Cajuns fans listen into this program on a regular basis, and obviously they're not in the preseason top 25, but I think at least they, they could be in consideration. What would it take, like, this year for the Cajuns to slide into that top 25? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I think probably double-digit wins, certainly. Um, you know, certainly – if they could run the table, they would definitely be in there. But, you know, we've seen Appalachian State get there with 12-1, and one, um, you know, type of record. So, certainly, I think if Louisiana can get to 12-1, and one, um, you know, Sunbelt champion, which we do have them winning the, the Sunbelt title this year, I think they could be in the top 25. I think we have um, both Louisiana and Appalachian State in, in the top 40, which is probably the highest that both we've – the highest that we've projected – both of those teams to finish in our in our Athlon Top 130 uh, in my time at Athlon Sports. So certainly, we think both teams are going to be very good this year. But I think when you start thinking about Top 25 and Group of Five, you know, Louisiana and Appalachian State both, if they get to 12 and one as the Sun Belt champion, we might have them underranked in, in the 40s. They might need to be closer to the Top 25. So. Yeah, certainly. I think double-digit victories, conference championship, and I think when you look at the group of five as a whole, I still like Cincinnati, UCF, and Boise State a little bit ahead of the Sun Belt champion to be the top group of five team this year. Steve, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Hopefully, we can get once we get closer to what would have been talking season because now it's just basically everybody in a Zoom room now because we saw the Big Ten cancel their media days in terms of a physical perspective, SEC media days. We're still waiting to find out what's going to happen there, but right here, right now, it just feels like we're going to be pretty much spending all of our time inside Zoom rooms instead of inside hotels crammed with all kinds of great people. Yeah, it is going to be different, isn't it? It's going to be a different offseason, but I, I think like we talked about, I'm feeling pretty optimistic about the start of the season, and everything we've seen this week was great news, so I'm hoping – that continues um, uh, over the next couple weeks. And, hey, things get going in August, and we can keep talking about it throughout the offseason. I'm in the same boat as well, Steve. Once again, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Anytime, Clint. Thanks for having me on. All right, that was Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. No doubt about it. A little controversial going with LSU ranked eighth in the top 25 in this preseason top 25 Athlon Sports put together. In fact, this is the good brother Steve Lassen put that on there. Again, controversial. That's why I wanted to have him on. We're going to keep things rolling next. I'm going to talk about the college baseball and a bold idea that they put together. The, these coaches have pitched. I'll give you some thoughts about it. Honestly, I kind of like it. But I'll talk about it next right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? 
These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Hey, welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. Wrap it up, hour number one in style. Quick news kind of alert popped up just a few minutes ago. This is coming from the New Orleans Saints, officially announcing they've agreed to terms with Anthony Chiquillo, a former Pittsburgh Stiller, going to be joining the team coming out of the University of Miami, Florida, and has been a core contributor for special teams and also has started in nine games. Decent player. Again, I've mentioned it before. Guy's probably going to wind up being a middle-of-the-road type player and largely filling a big need in special teams and linebacker depth. Could he be a practice squad type guy? Is he even going to make it past training camp? I don't know. I just feel like right here, right now, he fits a certain spot. But one of the big things I wanted to talk about earlier is a new idea that's being bantied about by college baseball head coaches when it comes to the 2022 season. And they've thrown a sample out there to change how college baseball is right here, right now. This weekend would be Memorial Day weekend. We'd be seeing LSU probably playing in the semifinals of the SEC tournament, getting ready to try and secure a really good spot when it comes to the the College World Series or NCAA regionals and trying to maybe secure a super regional host site. That's a different conversation for a different day because we don't deal with hypotheticals unless I really want to. But here's the here's the plan they have in place. Basically, you've got a from January 15th through February 10th an eight-hour CARA period, C-A-R-A. That's going to be for four weeks. Then there's five weeks where it's a 20-hour period like that. I guess this is probably like more your off-season training and everything going on. The second part of that is going to be a five-week thing from February 11th through March 18th. That means that they'll have eleven uh, nine weeks to prepare for the 2022 season in this sample, in this example that they're trying to put out there. The college baseball season would begin on March 18th, and then the June 22nd through June 26th conference tournaments will take place. Selection Monday, June 27th, 4th of July weekend, the NCAA regionals, and Super Regionals will be the next weekend. College World Series will be played July 15th. The 23rd through the 25th will be the National Championship Series. I think this is a great idea. Do you agree or disagree? Hit me up, 337-706-0111. Hour number two, I want people to get in on this conversation, along with some other stuff that I've got in mind. I've only got one guest in the 11 o'clock hour, and that's Cam Rogers. We'll be talking about the Phil Mickelson matchup, but I like this idea a lot. And a lot of it has to do with the fact, and again, maybe I'm thinking all about myself here. Sometimes I just got to do that. Bottom line is that this is great because of the fact that the baseball season would start mid-March. Not long after March Madness is kind of getting started. For the most part, all of the programs that we cover here, they're done. They're not playing much in the college, in the NCAA tournament, March Madness. At this point in time, March 18th, the college baseball season begins in mid-March, and then it goes into July. Dude, that is perfect. And, you know, for us here at Sports Radio, this gives us plenty of content to fill us over until we get to July. And then we got baseball, and then we got football getting started up. I can tell you right now, this would be perfect for the NCAA to adopt. I don't think they will because they are old-fashioned and won't change anything. 
But if they did, I would absolutely love to see a 2022 season be done like this over, you know, playing in mid-February. And then you go into early June. And then it's kind of like a, I, I hate to admit it, I love baseball as much as the next guy, but whenever that's the only thing that you're talking about, it becomes a bit of a struggle to kind of refresh the topics. Again, thank God we've had the NFL continually add storylines, and we're kind of anticipating the MLB coming back, the NFL, college football, NHL even, NBA, we don't know what's going on over there. But again, there's so much positivity. you got to love hearing that kind of story as well. College baseball looking to start mid-March and end in late June. I'm all for it. Let me know what you think. 337-706-0111. We're in an hour number one. Hour number two coming up next. I'll open up the hour. I'll take some calls if you want to get in on the action. But more importantly, I've got my fave five this week. Cajuns football players all time. My favorite five players coming up next. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. And welcome everyone. Hour number two of two of Under the Dome with CD coming up right now. And we are coming to you as always live from the game studios. Baby, we're looking good. Woo! You're looking at the man. Woo! And without a doubt, you're listening in, however you're doing. So if you're listening on the FM dial from the Tower of Power. The Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit. And- this is where the power lies. I absolutely love it. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning slash Saturday afternoon. And we've got a great second hour planned for you today. I'm absolutely just loving this day. I don't know why. I think it's just the fact that I woke up this morning, saw how beautiful it was outside. It was looking good, and I just was really feeling good. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's starting to feel a little bit more and more normal. Maybe it's also the fact that I finally trimmed my beard after about nine weeks and makes me feel a little bit lighter, makes me feel a little better, makes me feel a little bit froggy, and I absolutely love it. So hopefully you're enjoying yourself on this Saturday afternoon, however you're doing so, be it Memorial Day weekend, going to do some grilling and chilling. Maybe you're out there on the beach. Turn it up. Make sure everybody, and I mean everybody, is listening in however if you're especially if you're listening through the free 1037 the game mobile app crank that bad boy up get the bluetooth speaker cranked all the way up that way everybody can hear what's going on here i'm just i want you i want everybody to hear this show however possible obviously there's a lot of different ways to listen to it you've been hearing the smart speaker line or been playing a lot 
That's one hell of a way to listen in to Acadiana Sports Station by checking out the smart speaker Alexa or Google Home. I'm not going to say it because I've mentioned this before. I have an Android phone, so whenever I say the HG, I say, hey, and I'm not going to say the other word, my phone gets triggered like almost immediately, and I've got to stop it from loading up whatever the hell it's going to load up. Even when I say, okay, cool, sometimes it'll trigger that. It's very weird. It's very finicky, but I like my phone either way. I'm just, again, I think I've mentioned this before. Is the fact that I'm not necessarily a big Apple guy. I've, I used to like Apple's products, but you know, whenever I realized how much it costs to basically get one, as opposed to getting a Samsung phone, which is not, not quite as expensive. Let's just go with it that way. The current one I have was probably about like, like $500, but that's beyond the point. I want to get to what's going on with my Fave 5. Last weekend, I did something I absolutely loved it. Breaking down my five favorite Saints players of all time. And in case you missed it, I put in, I had John Carney in that list. I had Ricky Jackson. Drew Brees was number two. Deuce McAllister, number one. That's the top three off top. I can't remember the exact order. I just, Michael Lewis was number four. It was Ricky Jackson, Michael Lewis, John Carney, Drew Brees, and Deuce McAllister in that order. When it comes to the number five. But this week, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this again. Just kind of break down my favorite five things in a lot of different categories. And I'll likely do this until sports does return. Because, again, I feel like this is some fun content just to kind of drum up some intrigue and, and jump in some conversation. So if you've got your five favorite Cajun players, yes, you heard me right this week, your fave five Cajun players all time, the the one hundred three seven the game hotline. It is wide open, three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. Get in on, on the conversation. And I mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. This is more of a recency bias because again, I'm not an old head. I don't. I again, I've seen some of these players, but I just don't necessarily have as much of a connection as opposed to some of the other players that I've seen play over the years when I was growing up, back in the gap, and when I got older and I started to really follow the Cages program a lot more. I think there's a lot more to it. And I won't have any players from the last few years. Since I've been able to cover Cajuns games, I'm not putting those guys on the list. Not because of the fact that, you know, I don't like any of them. I like a lot of them. I think Bam Jackson could very well fit into that Fave 5 down the road, but I just feel like this is all-time and it's the fact that there's so many great players that I remember watching back when I was like middle school, high school, even when I was like nine, ten years old, see eight, eight, nine years old, seeing guys like Jake DeLome and Brandon Stokely. I can tell you right now, those two are on the list. I'll get to them in a little bit. But number five is a lot more recent. And I'm talking Blaine Gauthier, the most recent member of this list. I got to say, he was absolutely amazing the late Ricky Bustle into the first couple years of Mark Husband there. Everybody talks about Terrence Broadway. I think Blank Goche was a key cog in that team, and I absolutely have loved to see him kind of like grow in life post playing football. Now he's gonna be now he's the wide receivers coach at McNeese State after spending a couple years at LSU. So I, I love the fact that he's kind of making moving it on up in the world. But when I first saw this list, this is one of those players' names that just popped into my head immediately. And I think there's a lot of it has to do with just the fact that I remember seeing him play against UL Monroe back in 2011. 
this was one of the most entertaining games I have been to live. And this was such a wild year for the Cajuns. You know, you go from being like six and six and not quite making a bowl game and you just kind of miss out on that. And then they fire bustle and then you go from there to eight and four overnight. That was absolutely amazing. So number five is Blaine Goche. And a lot of that has to do with the fact, again, that UL Monroe game against the Warhawks in 2011 First year under Hudspeth is probably one of the wildest games I've been to. And that's saying something, considering the fact that I've been to pretty much like a ton of different games over the years and seen them win in crazy ways. But this one is up there simply because of the fact of how, like, they, it was like within, it was like a two-minute drill that was done to perfection. They score a touchdown with like a, no more than like a minute left. Onside kick. They've got to hurry up and get the onside tee over there. He, onside kick, Cajuns recover, and it is absolutely perfect. They set themselves up, game-winning field goal, who won the pony, it was the Raging Cajuns winning that one, and then all but clinching a spot in the New Orleans Bowl, getting their eighth win, most at the time in program history I, I can think of off top, and you know, they were absolutely outstanding, they were on a roll that year, 2011 was a great year for the Cajuns, and yes, all those wins were vacated, but who gives a rat's you-know-what, because that was a fun fun season and I saw this guy just absolutely take some huge hits throughout that game and he was $2 stake tough stayed in the game and helped them get the win over UL Monroe and I can just still remember that people remember the 5th of November that year for mainly LSU Bama the 9-6 game but I think everybody remembers more about that Cajuns game if they were there because there a lot of people left that building that day well before the game ended, and they they probably left to go get ready to go enjoy the LSU Bama game, which was that night because this is like a two thirty kick, which is just a whole different conversation for a whole different day. But that was one of my favorite like moments in more recent Cajuns history. There's a reason why he's in that list, and I brought up the bustle era. I might as well break out a couple more actually. But number four on the list, Jerry Babb. He's somebody that I can just remember, and one of the players that I really remember like following when I started to really start to follow like sports on a regular basis because when I was a kid I watched it but I didn't like regularly like deep dive into it day in day out like I do now I wasn't watching sports center on a regular basis that was more around this time that was around like 2002 2003 that's kind of where I was at Jerry Babb is on that list number four on that list largely because of the fact he was an absolutely fun quarterback to watch his stats didn't jump off the page like we see some of the more recent quarterbacks and some of the others I'll talk about in this list but I like what I saw from him but right now we're going to go over to the game hotline again I'm the guy who produces the show I'm the guy who pushes the buttons so I don't know who this is hopefully it's not a dial tone but we'll go to the game hotline right now maybe they've got a fave five how's it going hey what's going on I'm going to give you my top five. All right, give me your top five. What, what's your name first off? Number five is Elijah McGuire. All right. Number four, Josh Boudreau. And uh, the rest, top three, uh, Raymond Calais, uh, Brandon Stoblick, and uh, number one is uh, Jason Long all the way. I like that a lot. What, what's your name, man? Wallace. 
Wallace, thank you so much for that one, my man. That, that's a really good take. And again, a lot more recent guys, and I like all those guys. I like that Fate Five list, but I just did. I wanted to take the my media covering perspective out of this and go more personal. That's how I want this to be. It's basically my own personal Fate Five. If you've got some thoughts, hey, hit me up three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. Just make sure to roll up the window a little bit. Because I can just tell it was a wind tunnel and then some. But again, for me, number five, Blaine Gochek. Number four, it's Jerry Babb. Number three is the only Cajun I know that played over a decade in the NFL and then went to the FBI after he hung hung up his cleats. That's Charles Pina Tillman. How can we not include Pina Tillman in that conversation? I like that a lot because of the fact he was just such a great player. Yes, he was great in the NFL, but I think Cajuns fans know he's probably one of the best defensive players that's at least claimed UL. Looking at you, Ike Taylor, you heard me right. But I got to say, he is just absolutely an amazing defensive player. The peanut punch really got started here, and I think there's a big reason why. He's going to wind up in the NFL Hall of Fame someday. The peanut punch is such a great tactic to use. I go with, without a doubt, Charles Peanut Tillman is my number three favorite Cajuns player of all time. Number two, I got to say Brandon Stokely. Like, he wrote it up perfectly. So I'm just going to say it right here, right now. Number two, Brandon Stokely. Number one, Jake DeLone. This is what I had written down well before I had a call on the game hotline. This was a no brainer. Two players that were part of the greatest game in Cajuns football history. Yes, you can bring up the New Orleans Bowl and a lot of other games that are iconic. This was the game. The game. Everybody talks about it. There were Mount Rushmore of games. This would be the one that would be up there. This would be the big one. This would be the George Washington on that Mount Rushmore. This is the game everybody talks about. Where they were, who they were with, and what happened. If they carry that thing up all, all the way up on the hill. Those. This is the game everybody talks about in 2020. This was 14 years ago. 1996. Cajun Field, Texas A&M coming to town right 25th of the time, and the Cajuns got it done. They got the win. It was one of the coolest moments in program history. And still to this day, we're waiting for the moment we get one of those signature wins. We almost had it against Florida. We had a moment or two against Oklahoma State a few years ago. But we're still waiting for that other P5 win. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think this year is the year the Cajuns get over that hump and beat a a Power 5 program. You heard me right. I'm telling you right now, on May 23rd, 2020, and if I'm wrong, come at me. I think that right here, right now, the Cajuns can beat Mizzou and make it all the way back and have that great moment. And do it in Mizzou, because Mizzou's not that good. Yes, it's not that good of a program, but guess what? It is Mizzou, an SEC school. They have never beat an SEC school in program history. This is that opportunity. This is the year that the Cajuns finally get over that hump, and we see guys like Levi Lewis, Elijah Mitchell, those cats kind of be considered in that same kind of ranking of Hey, these are guys that were absolute legends in their craft, legends of the sport, and I am all the way here for it. Hopefully you are as well, because I think that's kind of where I'm at. 
when it comes to huh, the Bay 5 of Cajuns football players of all time. And I appreciate Wallace for getting in on this. Again, I'm going to recap it real quick. Blaine Gauthier, number five. Number four, Jerry Babb. Number three, Peanut Tillman. Number two, Brandon Stokely. Number one, Jake DeLome. Again, Jake DeLome, Brandon Stokely. A lot of it has to do with the Cajuns. Texas A&M game, 1996. A moment I really became a Cajuns fan. And more importantly, one of my favorite moments that I'll... I think this is one of those moments that I can talk about for days. Because I was there. I was probably like, 1996. I was born in 89. So I was probably about seven or eight at the time. And I can remember being in that lower level, seeing the crowd storm the field, seeing the Cajuns win, Cajuns win, and then they pulled the goalpost out, moved up the hill. It was one of the craziest things I had ever seen. And, you know, now you're going to wind up getting fined several hundred thousand dollars. Mind you, now you couldn't be able to pull that off. Thank you with the fact you got that. Uh, this is something that's really just bug me since they've decided to do all these expansions is the fact that one of the hills is no longer a hill it's actual extra seating you couldn't have done that these days then again you couldn't do it net you can't do it anymore these days because of the fact the way that whole thing set up and conferences want to find fans for going on going out onto the field you can't do that anymore you got these people surrounding it and it's a smart idea don't get me wrong but man remember the good old days when you used to have stuff like that happen we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, talk we talk a little bit more about I'm going to talk a little bit more about the college football stuff going on. But more importantly, Cam Rogers joined the program at 11:30, host of the Tiger Woods podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. We'll talk to him about that and a whole lot more. So make sure you keep it locked right here on 1037 the game, 1037 thegamecom If you got your fave five, call me up, 337-706-0111, and you will get on the show. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Ah, oh, welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the game studios. If you want to call us up, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you want to drop in your Fave 5, you got a few minutes before we go back to the game hotline. Talk with Cam Rogers. We're going to be talking some golf. The match coming up tomorrow afternoon. How it came about and a whole lot more. We're going to talk about it with our guy, Cam Rogers, a new guest of the program but absolutely looking forward to it because after all this is something that i think i'm just honestly all the way up for hopefully you are as well out there in acadiana or wherever you're at because obviously it's memorial day weekend three-day weekend hopefully you're practicing social distancing and more importantly if you're out on the beach definitely make sure you're practicing social distancing and be careful but always have fun and if you're just chilling and grilling just enjoy yourself on this Memorial Day weekend. It's a little bit 
of an extended weekend for some. For us, we'll be here with you on Monday. But you know, bring up the so- every time I play that soccer rejoin, I just immediately go to see what the soccer scores are. And again, I brought it at the beginning of the show. Bundesliga still going on. That started up last weekend. I don't see. They've had some fun ball games, including a barn burner between Paderborn and Hoffenheim, one-one tie. But it's all be about Bayern going to be taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing the first part of that. I know Frankfurt. It's supposed to be a fun game at 11:30 today. Then I've got a few more matchups coming up on tomorrow on tap for tomorrow. I think one of them I'm looking forward to is going to be the Dusseldorf matchup at 11 o'clock tomorrow, mainly because of the fact that's probably going to be when I wake up to watch a Bundesliga game. Because again, like that's one of the biggest things I'm just not like tuned in on is the fact that these games happen at like at five six o'clock in the morning here. Nine times out of ten, especially on a Sunday, there's no way I'm up before like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And it's not because I'm lazy. It's because, hey, it's the weekend. I'm going to go ahead and kind of kick back and relax, especially after a relatively – sometimes I have a busy Saturday, and sometimes I'll just wake up at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. That's just how I'm wired. But I'm just glad of the fact that we've actually got sports kind of, sort of, coming back. I brought up the match. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But again, if you want to get in on anything that we've talked about throughout this program, we've jumped around to a lot of different topics. I appreciate Steve Lassen coming aboard to talk about his preseason top 25 rankings. Casey Kane, not the race car driver, but the college, the wide receiver out of Warren Easton, soon to be part of the Texas Longhorns in the class of 2021. But I also am blown away by the fact that the NHL potentially wants to come back and, you know, issues remain because there could be a 24-team playoff in place. And, you know, this is coming from the New York Post, and there's going to be a format, you know, to just basically set this up where you have 24 of your 31 teams face off in a playoff format. What that format could be is anybody's guess. I think this is a smart idea, to be honest with you. You have a setup. To where, you know, we see the NFL, where we see the NHL, basically, I'd say adopt this could be full-time and basically start up like mid-November instead of like December. Because I don't think, I personally, I just don't think, unless they want to do something different, where I think this is the way they could do it. If they don't want to start, have it be 2020-2021 season, and they want to start, presumably. Let's say you start you let's say they start like June thirtieth or around fourth of July weekend. And they play this twenty four thing, twenty four game, twenty four team playoff. Don't know if it's gonna be seven games or if it's just gonna be single elimination. You do that, I'm fine with it. But the real question is, are they gonna jump straight to the postseason? There's a lot of different things. And I was wanted to try and get an NHL guy, but I just felt like it was late in the game to try and hit up somebody and find somebody to talk hockey with here in Acadiana. But I'm going to try and get somebody down the road maybe next week, and hopefully we'll know more about what's going on with the NHL and the current storyline with that. Could we see that be the first sport to return? I would be interested. But what happens after that? What are you going to do with the 2020-2021 season? There's no way you're going to be starting in October. A lot like the NBA 
I just don't think Christmas Day should be the way you do it. Here's how I would do it. And I'm, I'm if I were the sports czar, I'd have a special kickoff game. Like the NA, like the NFL does, but call it the puck drop game. Call it something. But you know they have those winter classics where they play them at different stadiums? That's how I would do it. January 1st, 2021, have a special game. I, I'm going to throw the first two teams off the top of my head. Pittsburgh Steelers, Boston Bruins. Put those two together and have that be played at Fenway Park. I don't care how it's played, where it's played. Just play it. I think it would be a great idea and a great setup for the start of the season because that's a day when everybody's really looking at, you know, outside of years. Again, this is going to be a year where New Year's Day is going to be falling on a Friday. So potentially you could have the college football playoff semifinals be in that mix as well, but that would be later in the day. This would be like an 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock game. That sets you up perfectly for a really great day of sports, period. I think this is the best case scenario where you have your New Year's Six Bowls later in the day. Earlier in the day, you can watch your favorite hockey team play to open up the 2021 season. I think that's the way to go about it. And then you can go until mid-June. You can go till mid-June, or better yet, you probably start in May in terms of in the season in May, and the playoffs will wrap up like 4th of July weekend. I think that might be the perfect situation if you're a fan of hockey. And I'm not the biggest like hockey guy. I used to be back in the gap whenever – yeah, the ice skaters here, and trust me, people were all over those ice skaters back in the gap. Man, our power play is looking pretty good. And I got to say, I absolutely love that sounder, but we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. Cam Rogers coming up next. We're going to talk to him about the match with Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, and more importantly, Tiger Woods. We're going to talk to Cam Rogers, part of the host of the Tiger Woods podcast. We're talking about that and more next on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. Back after this. trying times. The world famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Coming to you live from the game studios, as always. And I got to say, I'm looking forward to this segment because honestly, you know, we get to have sports back in our lives. We saw NASCAR return last week, and we saw golf kind of sort of return with a little scramble and a skins game, which was a lot of fun to watch. But more importantly, tomorrow is going to be a big day for the world of golf with Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning teaming up to face Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady in the match, Champions for Charity. And to talk about it, we've got on the game hotline the host of the Tiger Woods podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. That is Cam Rogers. Cam, how's it going? 
AD, good to be with you, sir. My first time, and it's an honor. Obviously very excited for tomorrow afternoon. How can you not be excited about tomorrow afternoon, everything going on? But, you know, how the, like because obviously the match one was exclusively on BR Live, and that became an absolute cluster. How much did that yeah. have to do with this go-round being broadcast through the Turner Networks? Yeah, to say the least, there were some gaps for the 2018 version of the match, right? It was supposed to be on pay-per-view, but yet you could still get it for free. So it was this weird situation. And then you had really a match that really wasn't all that compelling CD. Let's be real. It went to 22 holes. Great. But the banter wasn't there. The excitement wasn't there. Even Phil admitted that he clammed up a little bit. So you have this new version, the match 2.0, if you will, adding in some new personalities and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. You want to talk about the broadcast team, too. Charles Barkley is going to be an analyst. Justin Thomas, the number four golfer in the world, is going to be an on-course reporter. Are you kidding me? So there's a lot more fun coming our way in this edition compared to 2018. And, yeah, you have it on TNT. It's free. And you know what? It's all going to COVID-19 relief. So if you wanted people to contribute, you probably want it on free TV, not necessarily on pay-per-view. So it all makes sense there. Exactly. It all makes sense. And, you know, like obviously the match came about a couple of years ago, but how did this go round, round two, come about with the addition of Brady and Manning, two undisputed greats in the world of football? Now they're going to be trying their wares with two of the greatest golfers in the history of the sport. Well, right off the bat, golf is a socially distant sport, right? So you can kind of get away with the times right now. So that is point number one. Point number two, of course, we have the PGA Tour actually kickstarting in June. So that's really exciting. So you have all of that momentum. And also, Phil and Tiger wanted to just do something good for COVID-19 right now. They knew they could use their brands, but they also knew that they needed a little more juice. And like I said, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady certainly add to that. You almost have these dichotomies of rivalries, right? Brady and Manning and Mickelson and Woods, you clump them all together, and you add in a fun broadcast scene and perhaps a lot of elements of unknown. Who knows who's going to call in via Skype or whatever? You saw last Sunday, heck, the president called in. So all bets are off. You never know what's going to happen with these things. And also, CD, this is not a buttoned-up PGA Tour event. This is going to be fun. There's going to be banter. There's going to be trash talk. And I think these guys really just wanted to leverage their status as sports figures to do something good. So regardless of who wins tomorrow, the real winner will be to those out on the front lines and COVID-19 relief because millions of dollars will be raised. Talk right now with Cam Rogers, host of the Tiger Woods podcast, part of the Belief Podcast Network. And you brought up the fact like the viewing experience is different. I mean, we saw the president last Sunday and even – even Bill Murray popping in right. and having fun. I think that was my, the absolute highlight of last Sunday's event. The fact you had Bill Murray popping in and pretty much like just shooting the breeze. I would love to see more of that kind of stuff over the button up type things that we see on a regular basis on the regular PJ tour. Yeah, absolutely. And I won't mince words either about last Sunday afternoon. That was a little bit eh, decent to say the best. I mean, yeah, Bill Murray calling in and, all of that was fun, but the banter really wasn't there. And 
those four guys really aren't the best of friends either, but I will cut them some slack. These guys aren't used to chatting it up for four hours for 18 holes with each other, right? They're used to competing to win a PJ Tour event. So I understand that they were probably out of their element a little bit. So it was fun to see live golf. I was a little bit bored at some points just because it got quiet. And so I think it was a nice little appetizer to the entree coming up tomorrow. I think there's going to be a lot more personalities involved tomorrow, obviously. I mentioned Barkley. I mentioned Justin Thomas, Amanda Balionis. She's a great reporter for CBS. So there's a lot more uh, firepower coming up tomorrow, which I'm pretty excited about. But, yeah, I mean, I would love to see more of these types of events, right? Honestly, I would love to see a match, if you will, on a yearly basis. Maybe cycle in some new athletes. Heck, let's get Michael Jordan involved somehow. Tiger's good friends with him, right? So some ideas are flowing as they talk to you right now. I think there's such a, there's so many different ideas just to put together the match. And even if it's not necessarily like Tiger and Phil, I, yeah. I, I could think about a handful of them right now, but I'll get to those later, just fantasy booking. But when it comes to like what we saw in terms of last weekend's broadcast versus what we're going to be seeing this Sunday and what the PJ Tour could do going forward is one of the things I enjoyed was the fact it wasn't necessarily guys buttoned up and wearing the typical golf wear that you see on the PGA Tour. Yeah. And you saw them rocking shorts. I Honestly, I think that's something the PGA should try and do going forward. Is Because, honestly, outside of like the later months, like why should people be wearing like black pants in the middle of June whenever it's like 100 degrees wherever they're at? Yeah, it's time to adapt. I mean, recently the policy changed for caddies. They can wear shorts. And now you have this weird juxtaposition of a caddy with shorts on but yet the tour player has pants on. It's 88 degrees outside in Florida, and it's like, okay, guys, like, who cares? Now, I will say that we were, in a way, treated with four athletic golfers last Sunday wearing shorts, but I don't know. Some golfers out there aren't in as good of shape, so it could be a bit of an eyesore for people, so maybe be careful what you wish for. But, you know, at the end of the day, who cares? I mean, just wear the shorts, move along. I think the PGA Tour should adapt to that. But, hey, you know what? We're learning a lot. Uh, in regards to just how fun you could have with the game, wearing shorts, you know, carrying your own bags. That was kind of a cool sight to see, Dustin Johnson carrying his own bag. It's like his college days all over again. So, you know, I think this is going to be a nice little experimental phase here, including last Sunday and then tomorrow, just how fun you can have with golf without, you know, going all the way, right, with the pants and all that. It's just when you think about it, you know, seeing all this stuff, it was making you think that golfers were just like us instead of like basically right. in the case of what's going to be happening tomorrow, seeing a guy like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning lugging around their, their golf clubs, lugging around their lugging around their golf set, that's gonna make you feel like feel more at home to see these guys do their thing. Yeah, absolutely. Look, tomorrow's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, we're talking about Phil Mickelson, the premier troller on social media. He's a fantastic trash talker. And if you watched that four-way call among Phil, Tiger, Manning, and Brady, Phil strategically had that match from the 2018 trophy right behind him and then a picture of Tiger Woods putting the green jacket on Phil when he won the Masters uh, in the uh, mid-2000s there. So, Or for one of his Masters, I should say. And so, you know, Phil's really good about trash talking. Manning is low-key a funny guy. Tiger can uh, throw some bombs when he wants to. The wild card in terms of the trash talking department is Tom Brady. So will he throw some fire at Manning? Will he throw some fire at Woods? 
That remains to be seen. But if there is anybody to get Tom Brady out of his shell, I think it's Peyton. Exactly. And I think, you know, to me at least, talking right now with Cam Rogers, host of the Tiger Woods podcast, is I think Tom Brady's loosened up now that he's in Tampa, Florida, instead of in the freezing cold that is Foxborough, Massachusetts. And he's able to kind of like be himself. I feel like he's become more and more himself after breaking away from Bill Belichick and his stoic heart. And now you've got three other guys who are just entertaining his all get out. I think this is going to be a ton of fun. Absolutely. And yeah, that's a great point about Tom Brady, of course, really was diplomatic during his time with the New England Patriots. And now he can be a little more fun, if you will, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And of course, Rob Gronkowski being a part of that as well, really boosts the personality on that team. Yeah, tomorrow is going to be just back and forth, great banter. And trust me, it will not be like 2018 where things got quiet and it was a little bland at times and all of this. I think all bets are off in terms of the action coming up tomorrow. I will tell you, I did look at the tail of the tape, if you will, in terms of Manning and Brady's game. Manning's about a two handicap, Brady about an eight. So for all you betters out there, Hammer away the money line, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. I'm taking it to the bank. I think they win big tomorrow. I like that a lot. I like the inside inside track when it comes to this. Because, again, I, I think we're going to be really intrigued by how this whole thing goes and how the how the ratings turn out. Because, again, we're, we're thirsty. Yeah. We're starving for sports. I mean, we saw people spend five weeks dedicated towards watching two episodes a week of the Jordan Doc. I think if they stretched it out weekly, we'd be – glued to our sets over 5 million people average watching that I was one of those and I'm sure you were as well but man like you gotta think that this could be a absolutely great thing for golf to get people interested in it and drummed up before like you mentioned earlier June the, the PGA Tour returns hey it's all supply and demand right now the supply of sports is small the demand is high and a part of that small supply is tomorrow afternoon, the match champions for charity. So you could find yourself creating new golf fans as we go throughout the match tomorrow. And I will say the numbers for the TaylorMade driving relief last Sunday, over 2 million people watched that thing. So if that is any indication for what we're going to get tomorrow, heck, we could be approaching the last dance type numbers in terms of the amount of people actually watching this thing. And like I mentioned, guess what? The PGA Tour ramps back up at the Charles Schwab Challenge in early June out there in Fort Worth, Texas. Live golf, live sports, something that the NBA, the MLB, the NFL obviously cannot say right now. Exactly. Talking right now with Cam Rogers, host of the Tiger Woods podcast. And speaking of Tiger, what's more exciting? The fact that we've got the match too, or the documentary that's going to be airing later that night on the Golf Channel called mm. The Tiger Slam. I am just I think I'm looking forward to that a lot because I, I again I wasn't necessarily watching golf that much at the time. I was like ten or eleven years old, so I wasn't necessarily a huge golf guy, but wanting to go back and see probably the most dominant year in golf history, I think it's just really cool. Mm -hmm. He single handedly brought the game back. He created the athlete golfer. That's why we have Rory McElroy and Brooks Kepka and Ricky Fowler. These guys channeled Tiger Woods as they grew up. Yeah, it's going to be one heck of a doubleheader, if you will, with the match. And then all about the Grand Slam, the Tiger Slam, if you will. And I will add this. Guess what? Golf Digest and Golf TV are doing a little mini-series called Tiger at Home. 
So we're going to get an inside look about his simulator, his, his outdoor courses that he plays on, heck, even his office, his kitchen, how he operates on a day-to-day life. We could not have dreamed of that in the early 2000s because, let's be honest, Tiger was a little more buttoned up. He didn't say a lot. You know, he just kind of went out there and dominated. He's way more open now with the media, way more open with the public. And I think it's a beautiful thing seeing the evolution of Tiger in terms of that personality standpoint. And also, I will note that Tiger and Phil, their relationship in the early 2000s wasn't so good. We could not have dreamed of the match back then. So it's pretty cool to see that we have it now and that Tiger and Phil are uh, really good buddies. And we've been talking about the match and this and this foursome that's being put together. If you were able able to put together the dream of foursome, and even if it doesn't include Tiger and Phil, to put together on TV to draw the most ratings possible, who would be the four you yeah. put? Oh man, I think a couple of big time NBA guys: Michael Jordan, great golfer; LeBron James. He plays as well, so I think those two could lead the charge. I think Tiger. Maybe I'm biased has to be involved in that foursome, so I'm going to stick him in there at number three. And then you have the wild card. Somebody who's popping up in my head, CD, is Tony Romo. I mean, he's a great personality. He has really developed a good fan base as an NFL analyst, and he's one heck of a golfer, too. So right off the top of my head, I think that's a pretty good quad. I think that's a really good one. And, you know, if, if you were able to kind of put together a dream foursome, just for yourself, let's have fun with this, like a dream foursome yeah. where you could have, like, Let's say you, Tiger Woods, and like an athlete and a celebrity. How would you put it? Oh, man. All right. So it's me, it's Tiger, my boy, Ryan Seacrest, who I absolutely love. I think he's a fantastic broadcaster. And how about this one, who I think is the funniest guy on the planet, David Spade. There's my foursome. <laughs> that's, that's a really good foursome. And, you know, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my cards out of the table. I want to have the most fun possible with this foursome. I don't care what happened if we even finished the 18 holes. So here, here's my four. Myself, yeah. John Daly, then we bring up Bartolo Colon, the, the the big sexy. How can we not bring that guy up? And then Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can about imagine the stories being told, the beers being drank, oh, the stogies being smoked. That would be the most entertaining, like, three, four hours. And even if we didn't finish the full 18, it'd be the greatest day of your life. And you'd be surrounded by royalty, but at the same time, not even feel pressure to be good at golf. Just exactly. It's the win-win situation. You don't have to be I'm pressured to be good, you know? <laughs> uh, that's a great foursome right there. I give you credit on that one. Cam, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the match and enjoy the PJ starting up in a couple weeks. Happy to do it, sir. Talk to you soon, all right? All right, you got it. That was Cam Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter at MrRogers99. Absolutely loved that conversation, and hopefully you did as well. We're going to take a quick timeout, come back, and then we'll wrap up the show. One final take, and we talked about Tom Brady. Well, there's a nine-part docuseries apparently coming out about him, and I've got some thoughts about it and other docs I'd rather watch over that. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? 
or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. For me, without a doubt, I got to go off and talk about this Brady doc, this nine-part docuseries, which is going to be produced largely by Brady's own people. I'm not a fan of it. I just don't want to see a Brady documentary. Not now, not ever. Can't do it, won't do it, especially a nine-part docuseries. Why, oh, why do we need that in our lives? Didn't we just get one a couple years ago with Tom versus Time, that Facebook Watch series where he kind of let the people in and saw what his life was like, showed him, showed him the lavish life? Guess what? That's exactly what this is going to be. It's going to be an absolute joke, and you know, hopefully we can see everybody else kind of get ready. Again, not necessarily the biggest fan of, of that idea. I'll say this. This was not what I wanted to see. So I'm going to give you three documentaries, docu-series in this kind of same vein I would love to see. I think, yes, the Drew Brees 9 for 9 series is great. But give me something that was created in the same kind of vein the Four Letter Network has done with the last dance, especially the Saints win the Super Bowl this year. I'd love to see that. Another thing I'd love to see, not as much about a particular player, but a particular team is, or better yet, a particular coach and how things went a fall of LSU and see how, like, from the national championship game onward and see how LSU, what happened when Les Miles continued to go the way that he did, why the whole Jimbo Fisher thing never happened, never came to fruition. I'd love to see an in-depth deep dive into that as a nine-part series or maybe even like a three- or four-part series. I would love that. The third one, I think that would be absolutely amazing. And I think this could be a like a five, six part document documentary series. And it's not about a sports player, a coach. It's about a CEO. Vince McMahon. I would love to see a documentary on how this man's been able to come up with some of the ideas that he's had and all the stuff that he went through. Because like this they're talking about a movie made, making about him, but I feel like a docu-series would be amazing. And, you know, Dark Side of the Ring has talked about a lot of stuff that he's done. And Beyond the Mat has kind of broken him down a bit. But I think having this set up would be amazing. I'd love to see a entire docu-series dedicated to the life and times of Vince McMahon. And I am getting out of here. I am done with the show today, but I'll be back with you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel, 10 a.m. to noon. We're going to be here talking sports with you. Maybe we'll be that much closer to football being back in our lives. Different conversation for a different day. We got a doubleheader of of Astros Classic, a game from back last season. And more importantly, we go back in time to see LSU whoop up on A&M right after that as part of recrowding the champion. We're out of here. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Talk to you next week. Peace. We out. Hey, Clavis. Wake up. The show is over. Oh, yeah. Kick it. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studio.